All right, welcome to the first real actual episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson, of course. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, and also I've got Romancing Nancy as a handle on Twitter specifically for this podcast, because I post a lot of random shit on my regular Twitter handle. So we're starting off today with The Clue in the Diary, which is the seventh Nancy Drew Mystery Stories mystery, which... I was thinking about it last night, and honestly, I don't know why I had never connected these two things before. The very fact that Nancy is an amateur detective, like, she doesn't necessarily define herself that way initially, but amateur detectives, private detectives, independent investigators, like, function outside the law, basically. Like, her father is involved in the legal system because he's a lawyer, because he's defending criminal, well, people against criminal charges, but Nancy herself is in a place where she wouldn't necessarily be cooperating with police officers because if the police officers were handling the roles that she's taking on, then there would be no need for her. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and that's going to be pretty significant later on when we're discussing this particular book. So again, this one's set in 1932. Uh, Nancy, Bess, and George are on their way back from a carnival in a nearby town, which I guess is maybe like 30 minutes or an hour away. But again, if you're in a rickety 1932 car, apparently, like... Who knows what's going to happen? It's the Wild West out there. Your tires might explode. Who knows? And you got no cell phone to call for people. Also, roads were like a thing that people were like, yeah, maybe we need roads for cars. But I mean, they can just be fashioned out of whatever. So um, they're on their way back and they've pulled off to the side of the road to have a picnic. And the book actually begins with George Fat shaming Bess because why would we not kick shit off that way? Um She's like, is that your fifth chicken sandwich? To which I reply, if you've got a lot of chicken sandwiches and they're fantastic, why would you not indulge? But anyway, um, George is like, is that your fifth chicken sandwich? And Bess is like, whatever. I, we've had a good day. It's, we've had some good times. Shut up. Um, they're on their way home after, so this is like their dinner. They've had a fun day at the carnival because, of course, what what the fuck else do you have to do in 1932? You ain't got TV. So they ran into this older, like, middle-aged white woman and her daughter who were standing at the outskirts of the carnival and just looking at it like, oh, my God, I wish we could do this. But they can't because they are poor, as they can, as Nancy and her friends can tell from their clothes. So Nancy and her friends go over and like, hey, hey, let's, let's just go ride everything. And so they pay for everything. So they find out that the little girl's name is Honey, and her mom's name is Helen. And they just shower them with treats and popcorn and whatever the fuck else you got going on at a carnival that does not involve creepy clowns. And afterward, Nancy's like, Bess, did you get their address? And Bess is like, hell yeah, I got their address, girl. Because Nancy's like, I just want to maybe check on them later for, you know, just to make sure they're doing okay. Because the little girl was apparently incredibly sweet. And like I talked about in the intro, um, Nancy and her friends hang out around white people. And Helen and Honey are definitely white people. Like blonde hair, blue eyed, pale, Scandinavian looking. So they're like, let's just, you know, go check on and on and make sure they're doing okay. They're at Riverside Cottage. It's fine. Which sounds neat, but spoiler alert, no. Um, anyway, so they're on their way home. Um, they look around and they're like, oh my God, the sun is starting to go down. Perhaps we should maybe start gathering up our picnic after indulging in our fat shaming. Um, which, fuck. <laughs> Again, with the chicken sandwiches. Um, George is like... 
yeah, you just should not be eating that much. And Nancy's like, uh, you ate a lot too. And George is like, but I like to go to the gym. And Nancy's like, mm-hmm, sure, okay, whatever. Like, Nancy does not indult, like, engage in the fad shaming, but she's also like, George, maybe tone it down a notch. I don't know. It's fine. So they decide to go gather ferns by the riverside, which sounds like some metaphor, honestly. I mean, there's no follow-up. Please understand, there's no follow-up. It's fine. So they're gathering ferns, and they're like, the sun's starting to go down. Perhaps we should go home. And I'm like, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, why the fuck do you have ferns? Are you, are you going to be organizing a wedding later? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So they're on their way home with a just a back seat full of ferns or whatever the fuck's going on. And they look over, and they're like, this is a nice neighborhood. Like, they're in the, they're in the country. Like, they pulled over for a picnic. They're in the country. It's not a neighborhood. It's not a it's not suburban because that wasn't a thing in 1932. So it's just like a bunch of estates that they're kind of driving by. And Nancy sees one and she's like, that's, that's a good summer, like just a vacation home. I'm, I like that. I like that. So she glances over the house that she's glancing at is described later in the book as being worth about $50,000. And yes, I looked it up in an inflation calculator. This means that it was like, 960 million in today's dollars. Like, that's the kind of thing that Nancy's glancing over at and being like, that's a cute house, which is why I'm like, Nancy is, if we're going to define her as middle class, then she is like the upper echelon of middle class. Holy fuck. So th- she's looking over and she's like, that's a nice house. When all of a sudden it fucking explodes. And so her friends are looking over and they're like, oh fuck! We should, what the, f- they have no cell phone, okay? You've got no reliable way to know that anybody has phone service out here. So as they drive by, they're like waving and honking at people to get them to notice that the a fucking house has exploded and it's clearly on fire. Um, they head over there. Um, all these people also are like trying to help out as well. So they are like the head of whoever's out there. They go up to see if there's anybody in the house that they could possibly save. Like, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They don't know what happened. They just know that this house is fucking exploded. Which, again, these are the kind of people who drive toward this shit. Whereas I would be like, clearly we've got some hazmat who can handle this. It's fine. Anyway, so they pull up to the house and Bess and George, like, run off in one direction and Nancy runs off in the other. Because, much like Mulder on X-Files, Nancy needs to be the one who witnesses shit. So she glances over and she sees that there's a man running away from the fire, which on the one hand, good. You should run away from fire. If you got legs, please run from fire. So she sees him and she's like, hey, wait, wait, what's going on? And he just bolts, which again, that's a solid move. Um, but she looks around and she's like, was, was he the owner? I don't, I don't know who owns this house. I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Did he, was he involved? I don't know. So she's looking around and she sees... Like, nothing. There's just nothing. It's just a house that's fucking exploded. She almost trips over a doghouse. The smoke is thick in the air. And she looks down and she's like, oh, that's hilarious. I almost trip over a fucking doghouse. Nice. And then she sees that there's a little book next to it. Like a little Moleskine book. It's fine. And she picks it up and she's like, oh, maybe this is a clue? Because, again, the title of this book is The Clue in the Diary. So you're like, a tiny book next to a fire. I think, ding, ding, ding. Anyway. So she finds Bess and George, who are like, I, I, there seems to be no sign of anybody inside. We can't even fucking get inside because this house is fucking on fire. So they're looking around. Um, people have started to do a, like, fucking bucket brigade. And I'm like, from where? Who knows? Anyway, so they're, but it's ineffectual. Like, nothing's working. The It's just nasty out there. There's no saving anybody. There's no saving the house. The, the fire people finally show up, like, actually to fight the fire, which, again, they're not going to save the fucking house. It's, it's fucking exploded. Um, but Nancy's looking around, you know, as she does, and 
she sees this guy who has climbed into the seat of her car and is like starting her car, which on the one hand, I'm like, did did y'all not have keys? Which again, it's 1932. Maybe everybody was like, I don't know, just get in a car and press a button. That's fine. I have never looked that up. But there's this guy that's in her car, like, and she's like, what the fuck? Like, clearly my car is the hottest car out here. He is clearly stealing it because in all the chaos, because again, it's, it's turned into like a fucking tailgate out there where everybody is out there just watching the fire and enjoying it. As Nancy finds out later, the guy who owns the house is actually a piece of shit. So everybody out there is like, yeah, let's watch it burn. Like maybe do some s'mores. I don't know. Anyway, so she sees this guy moving her car and she runs up to her car and jumps up on the running board, which I love that image. Like she just jumps up onto the side of the car and she's like, what the fuck? She doesn't say that. Anyway, so the guy looks at her and he's like, your car, miss? With a disarming smile is literally the way the book phrases it. And you're like, hmm, maybe, maybe. Anyway, so he says, I just wanted to move it away from the fire because I didn't want anything to happen to your car. And Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh, sure, sure. Um, So he does actually back up her car, stop it, like just give her a nod and then just melt into the crowd. And she's like, I'm intrigued. Like, I guess he just wanted to move my car. Like Nancy is deeply suspicious at all fucking times, which yes, same girl, same. Bess and George run up and they were like, who was that? And Nancy's like, I I don't know. I don't know. But we need to get home. The sun is going down. The sun has apparently been going down for like four solid hours at this point. Like, side note, the mystery stories are set in, quote, the Midwest. They're never actually set in any specific state. Um, A lot of people like to locate it in maybe Ohio. The later books locate River Heights where Nancy's from in Illinois. But anyway, so we're not talking Alaska. This is not like fucking perpetual sunset. Um, So yeah, she's, she's with Bess and George. They're like, yeah, we should probably fucking get home. Like our parents don't know where we are. We can't call anybody to tell them where we are. We should probably get home. But Again, because it's turned into a fucking tailgate out there, there's like this line of fucking cars trying to get out of there, and it's all disorganized, and it's ridiculous. And Nancy's trying to get in line when this other guy, like, fucking T-bones her car, like, at two miles an hour, so it's fine. But she's like, what the fuck? And her friends are like, we need to just go whoop some ass. And she's like, no, no, it's it's cool, it's cool, I'll be right back. So she goes and exchanges, like, personal information with them, like, name, address, phone number, not, like, insurance information. I was like, maybe back then that was just not a thing because cars were so incredibly dangerous that maybe nobody would insure them. I don't know. Anyway, so she looks at her car and she's like, well, fuck. Because, again, Nancy's car gets fucked up in, like, every single fucking case, which makes some sense. I mean, we can't let Nancy get her bones broken in every fucking case because then she'd never get out of recovery, but we can fuck with her car. So she gets back in line. She's like, fuck this. And this guy starts directing traffic so that people can actually get the fuck out of there on time. So they pull up and Nancy's like, it's that guy who moved my car. Hmm. And Bess and George are like, that's the guy who moved your car. Yes. And Nancy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So the guy sees them. He's like, hey, um, so I'm Ned Nickerson. And you're like, yeah, you are, buddy. And he's like, so it looks like somebody fucked with your car. And Nancy's like, yeah, it was. I mean, my bumper is probably going to fucking fall off on the way home. Like, this is bullshit. And Ned looks at it and he's like, I'll take care of that. He reaches down and with his bare fucking hands, wrenches her bumper off her car because it was already dragging. And then just like lightly tosses it into the back seat as you do, which I was like, I love as an introduction. He's like, please let me move your car, which is like her power. Honestly, she's 16. Her power is her car. 
let me make sure that it doesn't get burnt up in a fucking fire, which, side note, if your first meeting has to be at a fucking explosion, like, can you be more on the nose with your metaphor? Yes. Yes. Anyway, so Ned Ridges off her bumper throws it in the backseat of the car. Again, like, effortlessly indicating that he is a strong person and also somebody who is here to protect you. Nancy describes him in the text as, as she's surveying him critically, which is the only way she knows how to do shit. She says that he's probably 18 or 19. Again, she would be 16. So he's like two or three years older than her. Uh, the colors of his sweater make her think that maybe he's a college student. And I'm like, that's adorable. Like, is he wearing like a legit college sweater? Or is it just like, it's got some stripes on it. I feel like it is sweater adjacent. Like, maybe he's going to college. Um, he's got dark curly hair. He's got like nice eyes, but she doesn't say what color they are from something that happens later in the text because uh, Bess is teasing Nancy when they're on their way because Ned's like, hey, why don't I follow you guys home just to make sure that you're okay? Let's just go to the nearest garage. And Nancy's like, yeah, let's let's go to the nearest garage. And he's like, I'll just follow you to make sure nothing happens to your car. And she's like, no, you don't have to do that. No, it's fine. It's fine. And they're like, no, no, let's, let's just do this. So Nancy sets off and Bess and George are like, he has got a thing for you. And Nancy's like, I don't know what the fuck. He is just a nice guy. Like, he is possibly going for his Eagle Scout badge. I don't know. And Bess is like, and look at those nice dark eyes. Like, like that's some good stuff. And, I mean, I think those eyes were blue. And Nancy's like, oh, I thought they were. And then she's like, I see what you're trying to do here. And I am not here for it. Anyway. They go to the closest garage, which happens to be in Mapleton, which if you've read the series, you're like, oh, Ned's hometown. Of course, of course you have to go to Ned's hometown. Um, the estate that exploded happened to be like at the outskirts of Mapleton. So he, the guy who owned the place, who was named Ray Bolt, Nancy finds out, um, is basically known to the people who live there, not necessarily to Nancy. Mapleton is like a neighbor of River Heights where she lives. So they take the car to the garage, which, okay, again, if you're keeping track of this shit, if we're playing 24 with this, then in the corner of the screen, you're like, okay, so the sun's been setting for a solid five hours now because they go to a garage, which happens to be open. And I'm like, maybe in 1932, like you had a lot of 24 seven garages. I don't know what the fuck. Um, so they pull up and he's like, mm, give me like an hour and I'll, I'll get it in shape for you to get home. But you're going to need to take it to your home garage so that they can fix this shit. And Nancy's like, well, let me at least call home to, so that my dad will know where I am. And Ned's like, okay, so um, why don't we all call home and then we can go have some ice cream. And Bess is like, fuck yeah, let's have some ice cream because it is sweaty work to go out to a house fire. And Nancy's like, I, I, I guess, I guess that's fine. So after they call home and say, yeah, we're just getting the car fixed up so we can get home no big, which again, if any other 16 year old, the dad would have blown his top. But Carson's like, cool, we'll just get home when you can. They have a little party in the ice cream parlor, and Ned's finding out all about them, of course. And Nancy's like, this has been fun. It's it's cool. It's cool. So now that Ned knows about Nancy, like she's like, oh, my car's ready. Yay. And he's like, I know where the Red River Heights is. Don't be surprised if you don't see me. It's going to be good. And Nancy's like, ah. And Bess and George are like, uh-huh. He wants you. Oh, my God. So anyway. Uh, Nancy gets home and she's got the diary. She glances through it and she's like, she, she's tired, but also she's got a fucking clue and a mystery. Like, why did the house explode? Why did she find this tiny book nearby? So many questions. So she goes up to her room and she's like, I really need to go to bed, but fuck. And so she starts looking at the diary. She figures out 
this is before the internet or Duolingo or any of this shit. And she looks at the book and she's like, I believe this is written in Swedish. And I'm like, I don't know that I would necessarily be able to pick out Swedish in a lineup. So cool. Maybe this is just a hobby she has is like, I'm going to do flashcards with various languages just to make sure I can spot them. So she looks at her and she's like, well, I don't fucking know Swedish. Shit. I don't know what to do about this. I gotta find somebody who can translate Swedish. Like, that's the only thing for it. So she keeps looking through it just in the hopes that maybe there will be something in English or maybe there will be some sort of hint, but she really doesn't find anything. So in the morning, it's like 9 fucking a.m. The sun's back up, y'all. I'm not sure it ever fully went down. Um, When Hannah, the housekeeper, comes in and she's like, Nancy, there is a man on the phone for you. And Nancy's like, is there? Cool. So she goes to pick up the phone and the person on the other end is like, hi. Uh, It's Ned Dickerson. And she's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, so I just happened to be out at the scene of the house fire this morning, just, you know, looking, looking for things. And I was wondering if maybe you dropped a ring out there because I found a ring on the ground. And Nancy's like, well, I didn't drop a ring, but maybe Bess or George did. So, I mean, can I see it? And Ned's like, how about I come by your house tonight for, and like around dinner time? I don't know. I don't know. And Nancy's like, that would be perfect. You can bring the ring and we can talk and it'll be fantastic. And he's like, yes. So they both hang up. Nancy dances back into her bedroom and like flings her slippers in joy. And she's like, oh, it's a clue in the mystery. And you're like, no, no, girl, you, you know, you want to get that. You know, you know, you're thirsty for some Nickerson. So she starts thinking about like, how am I going to deal with this diary thing? Like, who should I take it to? And then she's like, oh, yes, I know a professor who knows Swedish. Again, like, does she have everybody she knows fill out, like, a list of hobbies and various things so that she knows if she can utilize you later? I do not know. I don't know how this works. But she's like, but that professor is too nosy. I think, I think no on that. Oh, but I could take it by the baker. Um, He's Swedish, and he also does not ask questions. And I'm like, again, how do you know this? Have you walked in with a gunshot wound? And he's been like, let me just patch you up. I do not want to know anything. Anyway, so... She decides on that, and she goes by to see the baker, but the baker's out that morning, so she she got nothing. So she knows she needs to hold on to the diary, because apparently those are the only two people she knows who speak Swedish, which, hilarious. I know no one who speaks Swedish. Please let me know if I'm wrong. Anyway, so she runs into Bess and George, who were like, well, I don't, like, should we go see Honey? Because, you know, I, I just don't know how she's doing. We, let's, let's go check on her. We, we got nothing else to do. So they all get in the car and go out to see where Honey is. They have never been to Honey's house before. They pull up and Honey is actually under a fucking tree in the front yard hanging on to her dog. Like, I can't really imagine something more pitiful. But anyway, so she's asleep under a tree with a dog. Her mother is nowhere. Like nowhere nearby and Nancy and Bess and George pull up and they're like honey hey um are are you okay a side note we're gonna circle back for a second on the way there out to honey's house like they're driving over this rickety old bridge that says the word fucking condemned on it and they're like well this is the best way we know we don't have a gps and a fucking truck tries to basically run them off the bridge and you're like clearly the villain no, actually, like in the mystery stories, a lot of just random shit happens. So it's not significant whatsoever. Like this wasn't driven by the villain. This wasn't somebody trying to scare her off the case. Because again, as far as anybody knows, she just went out there to help fight the fucking fire. And that was it. Like no one knows she has the diary. 
they just almost get sideswiped off a fucking bridge by a dick. And so they're a little bit shaken by the time they get out there. But they get out there and they're like, honey, honey, are you, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, my mom just went to the post office. Um, she's just walking to the post office to see if dad sent her anything. And, and she just left me at home. And she's wearing like fucking rags. She looks just fucking miserable. And so Nancy, Bess, and George like invite themselves in. And honey's happy to let them in, which... That poor sweet child. Anyway, um, so she's like, look at all these toys my dad made for me. And she shows him all these toys, which, side note, the toys take electricity. I was like, maybe this is pre-batteries. Maybe this is before batteries were a thing. But their house is not fucking wired for electricity. Like, the way that it's described is like, it's not a trailer park, but it's trailer park adjacent. So they walk into the house, and the house is like, they got nothing, I would not be surprised if it had fucking dirt floors and an outhouse. But anyway, so it's it's like, it's a dwelling. You're not wrong about that. But anyway, so Nancy and Bess and George look around and they're like, there's nothing here. Fuck. And Nancy looks at her friends and she's like, look, how much money I got on you? And Bess is like, well, I got 50 cents. And George is like, well, I've got like $1.50. And Nancy's like, fine, I'm, I'm going to go to the fucking store and I'm going to buy them some shit. Uh, side note, I was like they have no electricity. Like, are you just going to buy like a bunch of Cheez-Its? Because how are they going to keep anything? But here's the thing, like in 1932, it's reasonable to think that they would have like even like a basic ice box. I mean, if Nancy can get some ice out there, then she'll be fine. She can just hook them up with an ice box. Some people did actually like keep stuff in a cool spring nearby. If you've had that, there's no indication they did. But anyway, so yeah, hopefully they've got some fucking running water and some shit. They're not, like, basically camping. But anyway, so she decides she's going to go to the store. So she And also, like, pick up Honey's mom on the way home because she's just fucking walked, like, five miles to town and is probably just fucking exhausted as shit. So Nancy gets out there, and she actually runs into Honey's mom and sees her, and she looks, like, dejected with her head down and everything. So Nancy pulls over, and she's like, Hey, um, you want to ride? And her Honey's mom is like, Oh my god, that oh that that is so sweet of you. Like this has been a fucking rough day. Oh my god. And so Nancy looks at her and she's like, She is a proud woman. She is not going to enjoy that I'm going to fucking like basically do a supermarket spree on her behalf. So I better tell her. So she looks at her and she's like, Look, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm gonna pick up some stuff for y'all because y'all need it. And the mom just sits there for a second and she's like that's really nice of you. Like, she clearly does not want to accept it, but what the fuck else are you going to do? Because your adorable five-year-old is fucking starving. So Nancy goes to the store and she buys just like a fucking feast worth. She buys a big old steak and I'm like, maybe not a selection of steaks. Are you just going to buy like a, a side of beef and, and butcher it yourself? I, I believe that that is 100% within your skill set because that's how you roll, but okay. So she buys like ice cream because Honey specifically said that she liked ice cream. And Nancy's like, you get everything, little girl. You get it all. She gets a, a bone for the dog. Like she is here for all this shit. So they're on their way home with this massive haul of groceries when Nancy's coming around a, a bad curve and she almost runs into another car. And they both stop. And the guy comes out and he's like, oh. <gasps> oh my god, I wanted to run into you, but not necessarily like this. And so it's Ned, of course is Ned. Fucking of course is Ned. So Ned and Nancy go back to the house. And they, Ned's like, 
oh my god, so sh- let's let's make a party. So they cook up this big old batch of food, and everybody's having a good old time. The dog has a bone. Everything's doing good. Um, so they look around, and it's like, they've got nothing. Should I leave, like, $5? And Nancy's like, hell yeah, you should leave $5. Like, I 100% support you on this. So Ned, like, tucks a little $5 bill into the teacup pot where she'll find it later. And I'm like, first off, money is filthy, although maybe people were not snorting coke with it in 1932. But also, like, it's super fucking cute because, like, $5 in 1932 money is, like, $90 now. So at least she can, like, go buy a bit of groceries with $5, which is just mind-blowing at this point. Anyway, so what she, what Nancy finds out when she's talking to Honey's mom, Helen, and actually Honey's real name is Helen too, just makes things super fucking confusing. Uh, she finds out that all three of them are Swedish immigrants. Oh, and Swedish is also the language of the diary. Um, she finds out that they've come in from Sweden, that Joe, the husband who is absent, is a university man, so he's well-educated, and he's an inventor. And also he had a bad relationship with Ray Bolt. Like, whenever Nancy just casually mentioned, she's like, oh, so you heard about that house that exploded? And Honey's mom was like, fuck yeah, I heard about it, and I wish it had exploded more, because that guy's a piece of shit. And Nancy's like, shit. Because she doesn't want this guy to be involved. Like, she's almost certain that this guy is the guy that she saw running away from the fire when she saw it set, and she, like, really, really likes Honey and her mom, and she doesn't know much about the guy, but she's like... It would fucking suck if he was responsible for this and he gets arrested because fuck, they they got nothing now. Like, they literally got nothing. Nancy looks around and the only, like, good thing in the house is, like, they're fucking wedding china. And the mom is like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to start selling that off too. And Nancy's like, this is bullshit. Like, they didn't, I don't think he did anything wrong. And I kind of also feel like if he did, like, maybe... I understand what happened. Now, Bess is the dick here who was like, if he burned down that house, like, he needs to be punished for it. And George is like, does he, though? Like, I don't know. And Nancy's like, I just I just don't think he did it. I mean, you're right. If if he burned down a fucking house, like, people should get involved. But I just don't know. Anyway, um, and I'm probably mixing up the timeline a little bit. It doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't. Um, That night, Ned comes to dinner. And actually, I'm pretty sure that Ned came to dinner before the Nancy cooks a meal for her new friends. Anyway, so Nancy goes upstairs, puts on a floral crepe dress and some high-heeled pumps because she's she's going to put it out tonight. She's she's going to put it all on the table. She needs to make sure that he knows what he's coming to look at. So she tells her dad, she's like, oh, so there's going to be a guy coming over for dinner later. And her dad's like, really? Is is he going to be bringing a diamond ring? And Nancy's like, what the I'm 16. And her dad's like, I'm just saying. Um, Nancy adores her father. And so his opinion is incredibly important to her. So she goes, Nancy goes to Hannah and she's like, Hannah, can you please wear like a, a maid's cap and an apron and everything and make it look super cute because I really want to impress this guy. And Hannah's like, for you, I, I will do this. Okay. And Nancy's like, and will you make a cake? And Hannah's like, Yes, I will make a cake for you, my child. Adopted child, really. Anyway, so Ned comes over, Nancy answers the door, and they're, like, a little bit awkward together because this is their first, like, alone meeting, and 
I mean, quasi alone meeting. And so they're like, oh, hey. And, and then Carson comes up and he's like, hello. The two men introduce themselves to each other. Ned is also tricked out for the night because, of course, he is. He's, he's dressed to impress. And so he's, he shakes hands with Nancy's dad. He does not seem intimidated by Nancy's dad. And Nancy notices this and approves because, again, any man who can be intimidated by Carson Drew, you ain't going to be enough for her. Like, seriously. So the two of them get along and they talk about sports for a hot minute. And Nancy's like, it's just so cute when two guys get along. Oh, my God. So anyway, they have dinner. It's fantastic, as always. And then they go adjourn to the main room. And so they're sitting there, and Nancy's like, so you said something about a ring. And it's like, yeah, I was just, like, wondering if maybe somebody had given you a... Because it looks like a fraternity ring, and I was just wondering if maybe somebody had given you a ring. I don't know, nothing. It's fine. So he drops the ring in Nancy's lap, and I was like, I love everything about that. Like, just throwing jewelry in her lap. Like, yes, you're doing everything right immediately, Ned Nickerson. So Nancy looks at the ring very closely and she's like, okay, it looks, it looks like it's got a Swedish inscription, which of course I can't read. I think this is related to the other thing that I found. And so she tells Ned about the diary and he's like, yeah, like it looks like a fraternity ring to me. And yeah, I'm, I'm seconding everything that you're saying. And Nancy's like, well, well, since you found it, let me, let me just give it back to you. And Ned's like, no, no, it's, you, you hold on to it. You're investigating the mystery, and it's fine. It also gives him an excuse to come back if he wants to, you know, for reasons. Anyway, so now Nancy has two clues. She has the ring that has the inscription in it, and she's got the diary. So after the date, Carson's like, that was a nice man. And Nancy's like, hell yeah, it was. That, that is a damn nice man. Anyway, no, Nancy's not like that. She is like that, but she's also not like that. Anyway, so she's got those two things. And so whenever Helen tells Nancy that... Yeah, my husband's a university man. He's really smart. And so she's like, fuck. Like, she's got circumstantial evidence that places him at the scene of the crime. She's also got a motive because Raybolt took the all the drawings and everything for one of Joe Swenson's inventions and then just basically sold it for, took it from Joe for a song and then sold it for a massive amount of money. Like, that is his game. That's what he does. He, Raybolt finds people who have made interesting things, and then he, he's like the middleman, but he makes like all the profit. And it sounds like he basically exploits people who don't know any better, so we're talking like poor people and immigrants, which Joe Swenson falls into both of those categories. So even though he's smart and he's made a good life for himself, immigrating over to the United States has kind of fucked that up. So... The more Nancy learns about this, the more she's like, I need to find him. Like, I need to, f- I need to talk to him. I feel like if I can just talk to him that I can find out what happened. And if he had nothing to do with this, then he had nothing to do with this. And that's great. Like, who knows what the fuck happened? But it also sounds like he's an inventor. He's smart. He had reason to be mad at him. So it's reasonable to guess that maybe he might have had something to do with this, which is kind of the side that Bess is coming down on this with. So Nancy's still trying to get hold of the Swedish baker because she's like, which now I'm picturing a Swedish chef from the Muppets, which makes this all the more interesting. Anyway, um, also because they now know that it's the Raybolts and Nancy was like, so were they home? And everyone's like, no, nah, they were on vacation. Like they just shut up the house and they were on vacation for a hot minute. And so Nancy asks her dad, she's like, do you think you can track him down? And he's like, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I can I can find out if they were there because if they weren't there, then it was an empty house. If they were there, then fuck, they're dead. Like there's been no like, oh, we found some partially charred corpses or we pulled some people from there. There's been none of that. So it's an important thing. Like was anyone at home at the time? We don't know. So Carson's like, yeah, I'm going to track them down. It's fine. It's fine. You, you do you. So Nancy goes by to see the Swedish baker who she goes by in the morning and the assistant's like, he just went on a fishing trip slash brunch picnic with his family. So he'll be back in a hot minute. And Nancy's like, cool. Let me just go shopping. I mean, I got nothing else to do. So she goes to a department store and she runs into Bess and George who are also buying things for honey. Like all three of them arrived at that conclusion at the same time. And so they put together an outfit for her. They buy her like a little dress and stockings and shoes and everything. And they have a little debate about what size shoes do you think she wears? And I'm like, first off, that is adorable because that's actually a good point. And second, you're going to be wrong. Like whatever you guess is going to be wrong there, but it's fine. So they put together like a little outfit. I think they even like throw like a little pocketbook in there because why the fuck would, would you not? And they go to the post office to mail it to him. Nancy goes back by the bakery on the way home because she's like, I just want someone to translate this for me. No reason. It's fine. And the assistant's like, he just had a fucking heart attack. Which, again, like, if you're talking about, oh my God, someone found out that Nancy is trying to get a Swedish diary translated. And so they have poisoned the poor Swedish baker. And you're like, fuck. No, like, he just had a fucking heart attack. And you need to fucking deal with that information as you will. Like, he just had a fucking heart attack. Just live with it. And so Nancy's like, fuck, uh, shit, I really like that guy. And also, I really wanted him to translate that diary for me, but it's okay. So anyway, she goes home. It rains for like the next two solid days. Um, she has taken her car to the shop, remember? Like, she, she's been hoofing it a lot of the time. Um, her car's in the shop, and finally they finish up with her car, and she gets a bill for $20.32. I love that it's that exact. And she looks at it, and she's like, decent like i thought it might be a little bit more than that but decent and so for those of you who are like i'm breathless with anticipation how much is, is that be about like four hundred dollars which again not an insignificant bill on your car but also like not the absolute worst that could have happened so anyway so she's like all right i'm gonna take my car and i'm going to go get money out of this jagass who t-boned me when we were out at the fire so she sees Bess and george who were like yeah we'll, we'll go with you it's cool um, on the way there, they decide to stop for lunch, as you do. And they've also found out that while Mr. and Mrs. Raybolt were apparently on vacation, um, they also are, like, nobody has known exactly where they were. But they finally got in touch with Mrs. Raybolt. And so she has come back to town. And she's like, I don't know where my husband is. Which, I do like the idea of them taking separate vacations. I also love the idea of her being Debbie Jelinski Adams from Adams Family Values, who was like, I don't know where my husband is. And the house exploded. And oh my God, he was inside. He was inside the house, which is like literally what she fucking does. Like, she's like, I don't, I don't know where he is. And he was going to take a trip back to home for vague business reasons. And he's got a lot of enemies. And whenever she's talking to people about this, they're like, like who? And she's like, enemies um so um nancy has found out where mrs raybold is and she's like that she's gonna be coming back to town but of course she's gonna have to stay somewhere because her house is a fucking 
wreck of just charred wood. So the closest place would be the Maplecroft Inn, which of course is in Mapleton because again, the house is on the outskirts of Mapleton. So they stop by there just to see if maybe she's checked in and no, she hasn't checked in. So Nancy's like, well, let's just, let's go ahead and have lunch. It's fine. So of course, Ned pulls up because is Ned stalking them? No, I love him. He is not, it's, it's a fucking small town. Like, seriously, he knows what her car looks like. And if he sees it, he probably follows it like a puppy. Anyway, so he walks in and he's like, oh my God, hey. And they're like, you want to have lunch? I mean, casual, no biggie. It's like we're, we would make a foursome. It's not like y'all are having lunch one-on-one or anything. I mean, it's cool though. So Ned comes in, has lunch with them, pays for it because Ned is up on his Spice Girls and he knows to get with Nancy, he gonna need to get with her friends as well. On the way, they see when they're like eating their lunch, they look outside and they see that Mrs. Raybolt has arrived because she got a fucking chauffeur. Because of course she does. And so she's walking up and she's like, oh my God, I feel, I'm, I feel so weak. And she passes the fuck out. Like she faints right dead there in front of the inn. And so Nancy and her friends rush out and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm just, my husband, my husband was at that house. Which again, oh my God, if she were Debbie Jelinski Adams, yes. Anyway, so um, Nancy's like, I, I feel like, I don't, I don't think he was there for the fire. Like, I, I feel like he's going to be okay. And she's like, bless you, tiny, tiny toddler, teenager. Um, but Ned does actually introduce them because he's like, I think that I have seen that bitch at a party. So let me just, so that, you know, so that you've got some basis to talk to her because of course she would probably be a good source for clues. So um, Ned, because he is the Swiss army knife of this series, is like, Nancy, Here's Mrs. Raybolt. Mrs. Raybolt, here's Nancy. And so the two of them chat for like a, a brief second. And of course, Mrs. Raybolt is like on the verge of nervous collapse slash if she's Debbie, she's just faking it real, real hard. Um, because again, the house exploded, which is exactly what Debbie did. I do love the idea that, and this is, this is actually consistent with what happens, but is not the explanation that the book gives you. I love that the explanation that Mrs. Raybolt was like fucking sick of this piece of shit she was married to. And of course she needs to feign that she's in love with him, but also she rigs up the house to explode and kind of make sure that it's going to be at a time when she is not there. She has alibied and she just is going to blow the shit up out of him. She can collect the insurance money and just retire to a life of relative ease somewhere else slash find a new husband. Yes. I would love that. I would fucking love that. That is not actually what the book tells you happened, but privately, in my heart of hearts, I believe that that's a perfectly reasonable explanation for how this plays out. Anyway, so Nancy, Bess, and George, Ned says goodbye, but he does give them directions to the factory that they're going to to collect on this car bill. He's like, go out here and then take this branch and blah, blah. And of course, there's like no fucking road signs because why the fuck would there be? So they get out in the middle of nowhere. Nancy, Bess, and George do. Ned is no longer with them, sadly. Um, And they see there's a split in the road and there's a shack. And Nancy's like, the cops have been warning us that like there's people out here and there's a shack out here and no one knows where Mr. Raybold is. And Bess is like, fuck no, we are not going in that scary slasher shack. And George is like, we are totally going out the, like, false bravery. And Nancy's like, I want to check it out, though. Like, maybe there's somebody out here who saw something. Maybe the guy that I saw running away, like, because she still hasn't tracked down Joe Swinson. She doesn't know where he is. So they go up to the shack, and, and there's there's no one inside. Like, it's very, like, oh, my God. And no, there's nothing. It's just the wind. There, It's an inch of dust on everything. It's, it's a shack. There's no one. 
Anyway, they make it out to the factory, and Nancy, like, steals herself to walk in there. Again, she's a slip of an eight, a 16-year-old, and she walks in there all ready to kick ass and take names, and the guy's like, oh, oh, you've got the bill, good. Oh, two, $20. Fuck yeah. Like, it's usually a lot higher than that. And Nancy's like, it's usually a lot higher than that? And the guy's like, yeah, I'm just not fucking good at driving. Maybe I should get a chauffeur. He is the owner of the factory, so it kind of makes some sense that he'd be like, let me just throw some disposable income at some people. Anyway, so Nancy's like, so I've, I've never been out of this factory before. And he's like, oh, yeah, we make electrical things. It's cool. So Nancy's like, oh, nice. Okay, okay. And then she thinks about it for a minute. She's like, this factory makes electrical things. Joe Swenson was into electrical things. He was looking for a job. Mm, um, I mean, maybe, maybe. So she and Bess and George kind of wait outside the factory for um, like the break time, the break whistle to sound. And she looks around and Nancy's like, I think I see him. I think I see the guy who I saw running away from the fire. And again, if we can question him, then yeah, we can find out about this. So they try to follow him, but there's like a fucking parade in town that day. Like, I don't know if it's pride or what, but, um, yeah, he just like vanishes into the crowd and they don't know where he is. And so Nancy's like, but I'm pretty sure he's employed by this guy. So it's possible that, because she's, he's like, he was really chill about paying the bill. And so Nancy's like, mm, he, he would probably be comfortable like telling me if, if this is a thing that's going on. So that's, that's cool. Uh, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll come back tomorrow and, and see if we can get this guy and it'll be fine. So they go home. Um, and then the next day, Nancy, of course, takes Bess and George with her to go see if they can maybe find out about this guy. And, um, they get there too early. Like, they want to catch him at going home time, but they get there, like, two hours too early or whatever. So they decide to, like, eat some lunch and, and go see a movie. And they're looking at all the options in the movie, and Nancy's like... I don't love any of these. And so Bess and George are like, let's just go see a comedy. And so they're sitting there just loving the shit out of it. Side note. Um, remember when I said that Mrs. Raybolt was like, my husband was in that house. Like, she has no proof of this. She knows that he went back home for like a business meeting or some shit. But she doesn't, she doesn't know where he is. So it's reasonable to say like, oh, he could have been in the house. I don't know. So she tells the cops this. And Nancy hears that she's told the cops this. And she's like, fucking hell. Like... They're going to just take this and run with it because they're dipshits. So she's 100% not a fan. And she's even more in favor of finding Joe Swenson before the cops do because she's like, they're just going to pin it on him. Like, that's all they're going to do. They're going to stop looking for anything else. It's just going to be the most convenient explanation and fuck that shit. So they're sitting at the movie, watching the movie. And when Nancy from behind her hears two cops talking to each other, I love that they are like, we have gotten to town a tiny bit early. Let us also watch a movie and so they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna catch Swenson when he comes out of that factory it's gonna be nice and I'm like first off I love that you are just throwing some exposition around just to make sure that Nancy is aware of what the fuck's going on but second like really like you sound like henchmen it's fine so Nancy hears this and she's like fuck we've got to get there first we've, we've got to intercept this we've got to get there first so she looks at Bess and George and she's like we've got to go right now and they're like what it's a movie oh my god it's 1932 we got fuck else to do and she's like no no we we got to go right now we got to go right now like and she's got to be like as subtle about it as she possibly can be because again the cops are right fucking behind her and what I do love is that Nancy doesn't turn around and go yeah he's at the factory let's do no Nancy's like I need to head this shit off and again, her father's like a criminal defense attorney. So it does kind of make sense that she's like, I need to advise him to possibly speak to an attorney. Anyway, she gets there. She spots the guy and she's like, 
hey, like, at, you know, at quitting time. And he walks out and she's like, hey, can I give you a ride home? Like, I've, I've met your wife and daughter and they're super cute. And he's like, oh my God, yes. Like, there is no, like, are you a serial killer? Which is exactly where my mind would have went, but it's fine. So he's like, oh my God, thank you. Like, it's, it's a waste of walk. It is really nice of you to offer me a ride. He's saying as, like, Nancy is looking around desperately for the cops to show up. Like, she knows that they're, they're going to be there, like, any second now if they're not already. So she's, like, basically, like, reaches out and wrenches him into the car. She's like, get in the car. And he's like, oh, okay, you're just really eager to get there. And you're like, you are, okay, cool, it's fine. So in the, like, Bess and George are on the lookout. They're like, they're like okay, 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 there's the cops. Hit it, hit it, girl. So they're in the car, and he's like, wow, you, you've got some nice driving skills. And Nancy's like, uh-huh, um, so can you, have you heard anything about, like, the Raybald house exploding? And Mr. Swenson's like, that bitch deserved it. I was out there that night, and I saw it, and it was intense. And Nancy's like, you're not helping. You're really not fucking helping. Um, so they, they're going to head toward his house, but again, like, Nancy's trying to stay away from the cops, so she, like, she's going as fast as she possibly can and hoping for the cops don't catch up to her, when, of course, a fucking cow gets in the road. A cow. A group of cows. And so she's, like, trying to get around him, but it's just making it worse. And the cops pull up next to him, and they're like, oh, there he is! And Nancy's like, fuck! So she really wants to just hit the gas and just make a run for it. But no, she's like, they're probably going to fucking shoot my car. And I'm not here for that shit. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to die for that. So she like puts on this expression of, oh, what? What are you talking about? And so the cops look over and they're like, that's Joe Swenson. Get in the car. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I did not do anything. That bitch deserves, and Nancy's like, oh my gosh, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm pretty sure that Miranda rights were not a thing because she 100% does not invoke them. She does not say like, do not say a fucking word until your attorney gets there. Because the cops are like, and you aided and abetted this criminal come with us. And Nancy's like, oh, fuck. Like, no one wanted this. So, Bess and George, of course, are like, fuck. Nancy's, Nancy, Bess, and George are all, like, pretty much the same social set, but Carson Drew, like, he is always the ace in, the, in her hand, like, always. So, she doesn't invoke him that yet, though. She's like, okay, let's all go to the police station. Fuck all y'all. Fuck the police. So, they get to the police station, and they take her inside to question her. They put all four of them in the same room, and I'm like, y'all are dumbasses. You, you don't question them together. You split them apart and see where their stories fall apart. It's fine. Um, but Nancy's like, so my father, Carson, drew the inventor of Toaster Strudel. Well, no, he's, no. <laughs> um, she's like, so my father, Carson, drew is not going to be happy to hear about this. And the cops look at each other, and they're like, shh. Um, well, until he gets here, let's just have a little chat. So they put him all in the same room and they're like, you did it, Joe, didn't you? You wanted him dead. And Joe's like, I did not want him dead. I mean, I hated that piece of shit, but I did not want him dead. I showed up, we were supposed to have a meeting and I asked him for my patents back and he said that he was not going to do it. And I was mad at him. And then he like lit up a cigar, opened his front door and the house fucking exploded. And I was dazed and Nancy's like, oh my God. And Joe's like, I was dazed and, and I wanted, it was a fucking fire. So I, I got out of there, but I really don't think that anything like if he were hurt, it wouldn't have been anything that big. Like that is my impression. Like he was at the doorway when it happened. He said, I think that probably it was just like a fucking gas leak. And so he, you know, when he had the lit cigar, that's what set it off. But I, I really think he got out of there. Again, Debbie Jelinski Adams. But anyway, um, so Nancy hears all this and she's like, 
they're going to hear this and they're just going to think that he's making this up and he's already placed himself at the scene of the crime. So fuck. So they, of course, book him and Nancy Bessinger to release because they just, Carson Drew. And Carson says that, of course, he will defend Joe Swenson free of charge, you know, assuming the charges are actually brought against him. And then, again, when they're all in the same room, um, they bring in Mrs. Raybald, who's like, it was him. He killed my husband. And, like, Nancy's like, I don't think she ever saw that bitch before. Like, she's just walking in and starting some shit. She's, Nancy is just deeply disgusted. She's like, I was trying to help you, but you being a dick right now. And the woman's like, I'm going to collapse. And I'm like... Debbie Jelinski Adams in her most compelling role yet. Um, anyway, again, the book doesn't support that, but the book also doesn't say that it's not correct. So anyway, so Nancy's like, they're gonna fucking put him on trial and this is bullshit. And uh, no, like Honey and her mom and everything. And what are they gonna do if he, like, this is all bad. This is just all bad. So Nancy thinks about it for a minute. She's like, okay, there have been reports of somebody living in the woods. I think that it's probably Raybolt. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly if maybe he didn't tell Mrs. Raybolt what he was doing or, or maybe he's still dazed or whatever, but I have a strong feeling that he's out there. So she tells Bess and George that, like, they should do a little stakeout because, again, people have been driving by a lot to, like, see the scene of the crime, basically. And so it's possible that maybe he just hasn't come back because there have been people around. And now that stuff's dying down, like, maybe there won't be anybody else out there. Maybe they can spot him because she's, she's got nothing else in her mind. Like, there's no other real place that she can go look for him. And plus, if she finds him alive, then there could be no murder charges against Joe Swenson because he, he I, habeas corpus, I have produced the lack of corpse. So she tells Bess and George this, and they're like, that sounds hella dangerous, but I'm in, sure, okay. And so Nancy goes by Ned's house because she's like, who else would I invite on a stakeout except for this hot hunk of man, and he's not home. And I'm like, is he out looking for her? Like, what the fuck? But anyway, so she leaves a note with Ned's mom, and she's like, just tell him that I came by, and Ned's mom was like cool because Ned's mom is already okay with this like there's a lot of moving pieces that have to be in place for Nancy and Ned to get together and one of them is Ned's mom being incredibly permissive of all of her ridiculously reckless behavior we're there Nancy also calls home but her dad's like I have a case happening so he's not home so she leaves notes for both of them to come out there as soon as they possibly can. Bess and George are, like, terrified as soon as they get out there. Like, it's, like, pitch black. There's moonlight. It's, like, the wreckage of a house. They have no cell phone. They got no weapons. They've got flashlights. And that's pretty much it. And they're like, this is an incredibly dangerous plan. And Nancy's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're just going to hang out here, see if he comes out, and and go home. It'll be fine. So, Bess and George, after, like, the height of their terror, fall asleep, because, of course, they do. And so, Nancy sees somebody walking up, and she doesn't know who it is, because, again, she's invited two men to this party, and she doesn't know if it's either of these men or if it's maybe Raybolt. So, she walks up, she sees it as Raybolt, puts her flashlight on full force on his face, and is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, shit. And then he looks at her, and he's like, oh, a team fuck you, and just keeps walking, and Nancy starts screaming to wake up Bess and George because she knows that they're asleep, and they hear her, and they're like, oh my god, where's Nancy? At that point, of course, at the psychological moment, um, Carson Drew and Ned Nickerson arrive and are running up the driveway, and Nancy's like, get him! Get him! I found Raybolt! So Ned fucking tackles his ass, which 
I'm I'm 100% here for. So he tackles Raybolt, and Raybolt has clearly, like, been living in the woods. Like, his clothes are all dirty and torn and everything, and he looks emaciated, and they're like, huh, so awkward. So Nancy's like, we need to take him to the jail right now so that they will release Joe, because whatever else happened, it was not a murder. And the there, everybody else is like, I know, but it's, like, really fucking late. It's, like, 4 a.m., so let's just, like, get him a hot meal and, and let him sleep in a bed, and then in the morning we'll take him to the prison. And I'm like, Nancy had the right impulse there. Y'all being dicks. But anyway, so they take him to a hotel, and Ned and Carson take turns guarding him to make sure that he doesn't escape, because that would fucking suck. Um, but otherwise, and so in the morning they're like, yeah, that, that, that sucked. Oh, my God. I've gotten, like, no sleep. But Raybolt, because he's had, like, a full meal and a night of sleep, is like, fuck all y'all. And I'm like, you are a piece of shit. Like, everyone hates you. You are a piece of shit. And I feel like you faked all this to get the insurance money, which is another thing that other people in town were saying. So it's not like I came up with that independently. So... They take him to the jail. Um, Honey and her mom have been by to visit. And, of course, they're devastated by the fact that he's in prison. And so the cops are like, oh, shit, he's alive? Oh, oh, okay, cool. Um, I I guess you're free to go then. Like, because, like, they do actually ask, is Joe's version of the story correct? Like, when he walked up, like, did the house fucking explode? And and there's no reason for it. And And Felix Raybould is like... Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened. It, it was weird. It was just really fucking weird. And so there, there's no grounds to hold him. There's been no evidence that there was any tampering at the scene when the fire inspectors went out there. There was no, like, we found some gasoline-soaked rags and a bunch of kerosene. Or, no, there was none of that shit. It just, like, it seems like it was legit a gas leak. And I'm like, Debbie, you are just an, a criminal genius. But anyway, so they release him. Um, but the thing is that, like, once people find out that Carson Drew was going to represent Joe Swenson, like, they start contacting him, and they say, like, Felix Raybolt defrauded me, too. And the cops are like, y'all got no proof, though. So, bye. And Carson's upset, too, because he's like, without proof, like, it would be really hard for me to actually, you know, do anything in court. Like, it's their word against his. And he's become, like, a defiant asshole, which is probably what he was pre his little camping trip. And so Nancy's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to fix this shit. So she actually goes to his hotel, and they found out that they're going to be departing for California. I'm assuming that the insurance money is paid out. That would make a lot of sense. Um, things were just getting too hot for him in Mapleton. Like, everybody knew his game, so he was probably going to go to California and start over. So Nancy walks into his hotel room, and she's like, yeah, you know all those people whose patents you stole? You're going to write them checks, like, right now. And Raybolt's like, what the fuck are you, I'm not going to do shit. And Mrs. Raybolt is like, don't you dare do what she's saying. And Nancy's like, I thought we were friends for like two seconds and you a dick. Anyway, so she's like, you write them checks right now because that's the right thing for you to do. Like you, you fucked with these people and that is not cool. And there's no or else actually, there's no threat. There's no carrot and stick thing. It's just like, you're going to do this decent stand up thing. And Raybolt's like, fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm tired of fighting this shit. So he sits down to write some checks, which I was like, um, mm-hmm. Were, were bad checks not a thing in 1932? I mean, it's fine. Because apparently, based on the end of the book, the checks were actually good. And I would have been like, oh, here's some pieces of paper. Bye. But anyway. So Nancy has a check party at her house. She invites all these people who have contacted her dad and said that, um, you know, they have some sort of claim against Raybolt. She invites them all in. 
they have cake and she just makes it rain checks. Like she just walks around the party and she just hands people checks to pay them back for all the money that he stole, including to Joe Swenson, actually, who shows up and he's taken a really good job at the factory. He's going to be promoted soon. Um, he's got back the patent for the whatever device he invented because that's actually the diary was the proof that he had his notes. He was really upset that he'd misplaced it because it was kind of proof that he had designed it before um, Felix Raybould ever had access to it. So, um, Helen and Joe give Nancy, Bess, and George purses, some really nice handbags, as you do when you don't really know somebody that well, but you want to make sure that they look classy. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. This is so sweet. And Ned, of course, is at the party because of course he fucking is. He is now a member of their fucking family. Um, so they're cleaning up after the party. Ned is helping clean up after the party, which again is something that you do when that person is like, one of y'all. Like, seriously. Like, Bess and George are there. Nancy's there. They're all cleaning up. And Ned looks over and he's like, I've been thinking about starting a diary of my own. And Nancy's like, I see the way he's looking at me. Mm. And she's like, oh, well, why don't you start a diary? And Ned's like, I would do it if it would get the ha- me the happiness that I'm I'm wanting. Do you think it would, Nancy? And you're like, <gasps> are y'all about to do it? Please say yes. Please say yes. Anyway. And so like Bess and George are like, yeah. Anyway. So Nancy just kind of is like, oh, well, mm, like it's so cute. Like Nancy doesn't flirt with people. And that is an experienced, wonderful college student who was like, I know what I'm about. Anyway. So that's the way the book ends actually is Nancy has made it rain checks on people, on deserving people who needed it. And Ned is there at the end of it. And clearly, like, their relationship is just starting to take off because he's like, yes. So that is that book. And actually, I think for the next episode, I'm going to be talking about the next book in the series, which is not written by the same author. There was apparently some sort of problem between that made her unable to write the next book. The next book is Nancy's Mysterious Letter, where Nancy goes to Emerson to visit Ned. Yeah! So that's what we'll pick up next time.